This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 173 of the In-Between Podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. Well, today we are going to be interviewing Krista Hardin from the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast about thriving together in your marriage using the Enneagram as a tool. We have quite a few episodes about the Enneagram that we'll link in the show notes, but what we love about Krista's approach and this new book is that she talks about the Enneagram glow. She'll dive deeper into it during the episode, but it outlines the seasons we go through in marriage and how the Enneagram can help us continue to stay connected, loving, understanding of our spouse, and to show them grace. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you more about Krista. Krista Hardin is a relationship expert, author, as well as host of the popular Enneagram and Marriage podcast. Perhaps you've heard about it before. Krista has been working with and researching marriage for two decades, providing hope for couples who are struggling to find their light, love, and mission together in any season of relationship. Her newest book, The Enneagram in Marriage, Your Guide to Thriving Together in Your Unique Pairing, just released, and she's going to tell us all about it. Let's jump in. Well, Krista, it's so great to connect with you on our podcast. Welcome. Thank you guys so much. The honor is mine. I'm so grateful. Oh, man. All right. So for our audience, we've talked a lot about you and and your upcoming book and everything about Enneagram and marriage. So we want to just jump straight in. Okay. So Krista, what sparked your interest in the Enneagram? And how have you seen this tool benefit your own marriage? Uh, you guys have been doing Enneagram work for a long time too. So you know, Daniel and Christina, this is an awesome tool. And I'm so grateful. I loved having you on my pod talking about your pairing. But one of the things that we loved, Wes and I, my husband and I, about the Enneagram early on was that even though I was a marriage helper and it had been over a decade of being a marriage helper, I still didn't have a really super healthy marriage. We had mm. seasons of life which were healthy like most couples and, and unhealthy seasons like most couples. And something that bothered my husband was, why are you a marriage helper and yet our marriage is isn't perfect. And I would, oh, ouch. I would give, well, he's a perfectionist type one. So I would give him the answers of like, well, maybe that's because you're not perfect. Or, you know, I think I'm doing everything right because I am a married <laughs> helper. And so like, we didn't have the best insight and we just skated by and we had God's grace, which was so everything, of course. But we also uh, skated by with what I always recommend to people, baseline marriage practices from the marriage masters like Gottman and John and narrative work and and of course the Holy Spirit and we took date nights and mm-hmm. and these kinds of things helped us but when we found the Enneagram we truly began to surrender some of these strongholds that each of us had believed about ourselves with the fundamental attribution mm-hmm. error that either of us felt okay I'm the one who's healthier you're the less healthy one and it really helped us just to see our stuff but to give us grace around our stuff and so that's really how the work personally 
personally began for us as we saw that we were more compassionate when we knew one another's personality, woes, as well as gifts. And then we started to fall back more in love with one another with intention when we were able to do that as well, if that makes sense. Oh, wow. That sounds like such a beautiful story. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you you went there because when it comes to when it comes to our own marriages, right? We're all we're all at work, right? We're all a process and in progress with all of that. But the Enneagram definitely does give you that framework in which to understand, yeah, this is who I am when I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. This is you know who I am when I'm at my best and when I'm not. So that's 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 so encouraging to see how you guys saw that and embraced that. Thank you. It was humbling to say the least. Wes had a visceral response to learning his type one, and I just kind of sat in my closet of shame for a while in my seven. <laughs> but then we were like, do you still love me? It's like, yes, I still love you. <laughs> so that was very healthy, finally, to be able to do that work. And to invite other couples in my practice into it was a great gift as well because I can still remember my first Enneagram couple and how much the work uplifted us all. It was very joyful work. And I thought, oh gosh, if this is so healthy for us, let's just keep learning and growing. So that was cool. Krista, if you could tell us a little bit more about, because you were saying how um, Wes was a little bit mm, hesitant to continue on, because that's what I feel like we've heard a lot about one uh, person of the couple will be so gung-ho being like, yeah, let's take this Enneagram to the next level. And the other person is like, I don't really want to learn about this. Why are you so obsessed with it? How did you come to a point where both of you were willing to look at the beautiful and the hard stuff through the Enneagram? Oh, that's such a great question. I think that it happened in pieces, but if I could quantify it a bit, I would say that some of it came from me just doing my work. And I think a lot of us have come to learn, and I hope listeners will also take this into consideration, that when you start doing your own work, whatever the work is in your family system, your spouse automatically gets a bit of, uh, recently I heard Enneagram expert Frederick Cohn say, it's like going to the chiropractor and then you get an adjustment and now everything in the body is healthier. And I know this is a biblical analogy as well. And so I think that it's working great here with Enneagram that when Wes saw me doing my type seven work and surrendering some of that to him, because of course I'm an information gatherer and a researcher. So I would share about what I'm learning about myself more then I would point to him and his flaws. And so that allowed him the safety to be less perfect. He's also the social subtype of the type one, which is literally the one kind of called perfect out there. So he feels a real need to project perfection. And so when I was like, I am so not perfect. I have so many things that I'm growing in and that I've been able to learn from this. He was able to be a bit more humble and say, she's safe for me to be real with too and to let my guard down. So that's just a reminder to everybody out there to do your work and your spouse will come along for the ride a little bit more. Even if they don't like the word Enneagram, they'll probably be able to use some of the tools, right? Mm, Yeah. Well, you had mentioned, uh, Krista, the word safe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really we don't change unless we feel safe, right? Or we don't want to be with a person if we feel unsafe. Now, you're talking about safety. Was that really important for Wes as a one? Or is that just all across the board, no matter what Enneagram type you are, that just the feeling of uh, being safe within the relationship is truly important? I think that's a real relationship changer for everybody. That's something I hold very closely to in my couple's work is that I think we change through, of course, we need positivity 
creativity, healthy emotionality, as well as some healthy logic to get us going in a healthy direction. But I think the positivity and the research we have about it, uh, even with um, our brain plasticity shows us that we have to have that element if we're going to take those courageous steps forward. So for me to bring out this humility and a safe, positive way, I think that was just as a human, Wes was like, okay, you know, she's not going anywhere and it's all right for me to process that I could have some growing to do too, especially because she keeps building me up, which I didn't share this part, but I can now in his type one gifting and really being positive. Oh, I learned that you're a one and and this is something great about you and you're an improver in the world. And, and instead of him having that inner critic that can take over, and we all have our own vices that can take over, uh, his rage, anger, inner critic started to dissipate a bit more. So he was able to, like I said, neutralize a bit and then say, okay, now we can enter into our couple's work because I've got a wife who's really positively supporting me. Mm. That's I love that, Krista, because when we think about even, you know, you talked about the neuroplasticity and, and there's this sense of identity that we all have, not only individuals, but individually, but as a couple. And it's like, what kind of couple are we? Are we the kind of couple that just appears to be okay on the outside. Uh, but really, when we're together, we don't have much of a friendship. Or maybe it's all about this, and, and we're in a different season. And, and this season, we're just so tired from all the kids that we're just going to binge watch TV, and, and we're not building into our marriage. Or... Yeah as one couple can change things, because as everyone's listening, we all go through different seasons like that. But as one couple can say, no, one person can say, you know what? No, maybe that's who we have been. Mm -hmm. But what does it look like for us to enter into a new season? And that leads us into our next question, because this this concept of seasons, it's it's this idea of ebbs and flows that we go through. And, and being up in Canada, in Edmonton, winter is a little bit longer of a season <laughs> than spring, summer, and fall. But we still get these four seasons, and it feels different, right? Through the weeks, through the months, through the years. And when you think about it, in some seasons, it feels like a summer because it's hot. It's hot and it's spicy. passionate. <laughs> it's spicy, right? And then, and then other times it, it feels like a winter and you just mm -hmm. feel cold. And th th there's this sense of, yeah, w where is the fire in our marriage? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've never heard it described as you call it in your new book, The Enneagram in Marriage, this, this idea of that. So, so can you just explain this idea of Enneagram glow and the season of marriage and, and the stages? as you describe in your book? Oh, I'd love to. And I love how you guys are so well-versed in the sense of just the language of the resurrection of marriage. Like there's these seasons that mm. continue to get revived again and again. And we go through the winters and the falls and we know women go through them every month and sometimes guys every day. And so there's all <laughs> kinds of seasons. But when we talk specifically about the season of marriage, I think of it in terms of any work at least, that we want to shine together, that we want to cast a light together. As we see so many times referenced in the Bible, and we know that we want to have that light of Christ within us. But sometimes we do feel like we fall into shadow and darkness. And so I like to liken it to some various terms to help couples to know they're not alone if they walk through these seasons. May I go through those seasons briefly with you guys? 
Yeah, I would love to hear about it, We'd please. Love that. Okay, great. So I think of couples as having that early shine and just really rubbing off on one another, like two elements combining, making something new and beautiful together. And, you know, you always hear of that couple who says, Oh, I had no idea that you were going to, you know, bring this part of me out. I never knew that I could enjoy a motorcycle ride, or I would never have gone to McDonald's, but now I'm addicted to their fries. <laughs> There's all <laughs> kinds of funny new quibs that we bring in in this early season. And we see delight. And then we come into the next season, which is even a little bit better because we're healing one another's wounds. And one of my therapists on my team locally here, she likes to say, you know, we marry and somebody comes in and they can truly help to change our trauma brains. And she practices EMDR and she's, you know, a couples therapist as well. And she's just so well-versed to remind us that we can truly change one another's neurobiology by inviting in different uh, moments with them and different, oh yeah, I can't believe your parents ever, nobody puts baby in a corner, you know, and comes back out and says like, I love you and I'm going to showcase you in the most beautiful ways. And so then unfortunately though, maybe it's with kids, maybe it's just after the five uh, year honeymoon period is over. At that point, somewhere around there, we usually fall into some sort of shadow where we start to forget the gifts of our spouse. We start to feel like we've built ourselves up on our own. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, that fundamental attribution error comes in and we start to say, oh, you know what? I'm just here because I'm healthy. I've been doing my work and I'm leaving you behind. I need or want something else. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Sometimes we're very deep into our Enneagram vice and fixation if you're familiar with those terms. But if you're not, it's just a season of shadow and maybe boredom. And maybe also in this culture, we have this unfortunate overlay of people talking about polyamory or affairs. And uh, and these are the things that really make us really unhealthy together. And some couples even fall into darkness and divorce right here and families are torn apart. a hard season. And instead, I recommend that couples do the deeper immersion work, which is what I really like to see happen after the shadows. And that's where we learn and discover what I talked about earlier with Wes and I of, okay, we each have some shadows we bring. We each have a collective shadow in various ways. And we also have some gifts. So how can we begin to really just love one another reduce some of these grand expectations that our spouse would be perfect or that marriage would be everything? How can we come back to God in this dark night of the soul and really allow our souls to connect spiritually with Him? Uh, And then we can come out and have that 2.0 afterglow sort of warmth together again. And just to clarify, one of my uh, couples made me laugh so hard once because the husband is a seven and he goes, I don't want to hit the afterglow because I feel like that's like 80 years old in retirement. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, it's okay. There's going to be a lot of ebbing and flowing. We're going to, you know, it's going to be a bit fluid. And also, you know, for you, the afterglow might look like, ah, we just like, we're more of a sanctuary together now. We have our rhythms. Mm. We know our work to do because of our Enneagram type and instincts. And we we know our faith work to do. And we're just healthier. We have better boundaries. We have a a bit lower expectations that the other one would be perfect. So yeah, that's what that looks like. Oh, thank you so much for going through that for us, Krista. And a, just a, a note of clarification, a question is, um, I think at some points maybe our podcast family's thinking, oh, so if I do stage one to stage two, right, like get and then we go kind of hit 
the bottom when we come back to Enneagram 2.0, that's it, right? Like we stay at Enneagram 2.0, like that's that, we're in our glow. Or is it a little bit more maybe of a roller coaster ride at some points? Yeah, I would definitely say the roller coaster. I just actually saw that in the movie Parenthood and the grandmother in this old Steve Barton movie. It's a good one if you haven't seen it. She says, you know, I like the roller coaster because it goes up and down. And I I do too. I think it's hard because I would love a perfect marriage as would maybe every listener. But I think mm-hmm. what we're really going for is to say like we have good tools, but with various shadows of life, some of them by absolutely no fault of our own. Maybe we have job losses or COVID hits or we have an illness. Uh, we hit shadows again. And so this is a time to, instead of hitting darkness and following our foibles, we want to come back to the healthy rhythm of, okay, now what time is it? Now it's time to immerse in our work again. And to maybe we explore therapy. Maybe we do a different spiritual director relationship. Maybe we uh, just talk together. Maybe we have a mentor couple. There's all kinds of things each of us nuanced couples will do. You guys said it well earlier too when you said, what's the story we're going to tell? And I think that's key here is we have a unique light and glow that nobody else shares. And we don't have to look to the left or right to do it exactly like Wes and Krista did it or Daniel and Christina did it. We can find our own ways. Does that make sense? The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah, yeah, fully. And in your book, I know the Enneagram in Marriage, you do talk about this and, and unpack it. But for those who are listening in and they're like, okay, you know, we've we've heard Christina and Daniel talk about the Enneagram and and, and we know our numbers but beyond knowing our numbers, we haven't really ever brought it into our marriage, mm. right? Can you give, let's say, before they go and read your book, uh, can you give them a sense? Okay, I know my my spouse is this. I know my, I know I am this. How do I? How, how do we see our marriage in this light with what you're saying here? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that uh, there will be some variation with how couples want to do this. I loved how you guys also said earlier, sometimes there's a spouse who's not interested in the language at all. So first and foremost, respecting that if that's your spouse and saying, okay, I'm going to keep doing my work, but I'm not going to throw this term out at you or call you a five or a seven or whatever. Uh, I think that's important that we always remember person first language and really try to avoid shooting oh, you should do this because you're a six or a three. But I think the first steps would be just to talk about your type and to say something I'm learning about my type is this. And if you have a devotional time or you're reading a book about it to maybe share a few key points together and say something I'm learning about my type is, you know, from Krista's book or another book is that I tend towards this behavior activity when I'm stressed. And instead Mm -hmm. I need to do some self-soothing. So I recommend that each person do 
some of their own growth and discovery work for what it means and looks like for them to do some self-soothing. But what I also like to say, practically speaking, is if you know the gifts of your type, the very basic gift, and then the very basic gift of your spouse's type, you can say, what could we do to bring these together more in our lives and in our family's Mm -hmm. lives? Like We know what our shadows are. We're talking about those today, right? But what can we also do about the things we're good at? Like Krista is good at bringing joy and Wes is really good at bringing goodness. So how can we bring joy and goodness to our community? That's a fun way for us instead of middle marriage woes to take over uh, and for us to try to explore unhealthy paradigms for ourselves. We can instead try to capitalize on what we're good at. And so we love doing Enneagram and marriage together because we're like, that's good And it's also fun. And so that's Mm -hmm. been something that we've been able to journey on together. Whereas, as you guys know, the sky's the limit. Some couples decide to travel together. Some couples decide to open a not-for-profit together or just simply open their home because they've discovered that they're a very hospitable couple. So I think that's a great step to take is just to do some of your own work and start to look at what are our special gifts together. Now, another route you could take if you want a bit of a deeper dive is to say, what are some of the ways we could get stuck together and to look at various Mm. Enneagram triads? Mm. But that's for the couple who wants to do a bit more. With that, and I love in your book, Krista, you go into all of that. You go into the triads, the head and the heart and the body and uh, just continue on to really take it to the next level. If you, podcast family, have read maybe another Enneagram uh, book that has to do with partners or marriage, this one really, I believe, really does take a deeper dive if you're feeling that uh, you want to go there. And also, Krista, the way you write is so approachable and... And I, I really feel like you could just take one chapter and really read it and discuss it. Maybe um, like on a date night, you both read it and then you you do it. And then maybe a next week you read another chapter and you go through it because there's so much richness there. That One of our favorite parts of the book that you uh, wrote is the glow pairing dictionary. Y'all, this is like absolutely fantastic. It's a beautiful asset to the Enneagram world. Amazing, Krista, how your brain works like that because (laughs) it does not for mine. So I so appreciate you going into this. And you, uh, in that dictionary, you discuss the varying hues in each of the 45 pairings. Now, I know some of us are thinking, wait, 45? You told me nine. Nine is enough. What do you mean 45? <laughs> so you can you tell us a little bit more about these 45 pairings and what the Glow Pairing Dictionary is all about and how it can help us in our marriage? Oh, that's such a good question because I know that, like you said, people may be in panic mode about right now, but stay with <laughs> us, guys. If you left us, come back. We can help. And yeah. this is what this part of the book is. I know some people will just pick up this book for this part, actually, because they'll be like, I want to know. I know we're a one and a nine, which is actually quite a common pairing. And they're like, I want to know what our rhythms are. So we know that with the nine p- types, there's 45 possible variations and that each of those types can do very well with each of the other types and each of those types can fall into shadow. And I've seen enough couples now to know that's absolutely true and interviewed 
so many different couples of each pairing that, uh, you know, it really depends on your levels of health and your culture and so much more. So what I do know is even though you're going to differ even amongst, say, other 3-3 or 1-5 pairings or whatever you discover that your types are together, there are going to be a lot of commonalities and through lines. And so what I did with this Glow Dictionary was I took each of those pairings and I tried to help you to find your own mini treatment plan so that you could walk through Mm -hmm. that shine together. You could walk through what is the shadow going to look like for us specifically and what is it going to look like specifically when we immerse in our work and come out on that 2.0 and afterglow stage. And I promise you, like I said, no retirement beds for you. (laughs) It's it's fun (laughs) even in the afterglow stages. And when you hit that stage, I hope it's beautiful too, end of life stuff Um, because there's beauty in every season. So I, I even tried to lean into some hope, like maybe you are in the shadows, but here's something that's important for your pairing to do while they're in the shadows. Maybe you're an aggressive pairing. Wes and I can be aggressive together in the, in this sense that he's a one and he's always going and doing, and I'm a seven and I move all the time too. So when we're in the shadows, we actually get to rest and we actually get to stop for a bit and just be a little lighter and not so heavy handed that we need to save the whole world. And that's a really good stopping point for us. Is it hard? Is it painful? Sort of, because we then have to battle our inner critics. We can help one another, rise up together, do our work. And so each of the pairings has these special tips for how to walk through these without shame, but with some direction. Yeah. I love that. Now, it's obviously impossible to go through all the different pairings. And (laughs) we're so grateful that you were talking about you and your spouse just for a little bit. But can you just, just for some of our listeners who are like, okay, give me a little bit more. Help me understand how this works. Can you walk through, let's say, a very common, with the couple's work that you do, let's say a common pairing, mm-hmm. and just just help us walk through these hypothetical two people, different numbers, and and how your glow pairing dictionary can help someone in, in that situation. Okay. I'm going to do the two five because I have a freebie that talks through the eight, nine, eight, nine is a very common okay. pairing. So, okay. uh, just yes, know that I already have a freebie a on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you knew this, Perfect. but two five <laughs> is another yeah. common pairing that I haven't gone through in any of my freebies. So this pairing is a heart type two, who is a lot of feelings basing some of their love story, uh, and their marriage work on. And then we have a type five who often really likes to love through through logic and through safety and planning and and laying back a bit and saving energy if there's a need. And so in the beginning, you have what I call a lot of sparks flying because you have this super passionate person rubbing up against with another person who is deeply super passionate, but just has a very different style of showing that passion. And so there's sparks flying and that can come through many seasons, as we said. But what typically happens, I've seen a lot of this pairing, is that after the honeymoon stage wears off, and even a bit sooner with the type five in particular, um, there's no longer an obsession. Um, Because usually fives get very obsessed at the beginning to know everything and also to, um, to lean in with some just there's an intensity to fives that they come in with and even a lot of self-preserving types that can start a relationship, but then later it, it wears into a different sort of look. And so what happens is the two begins to feel a little bit bored and tricked and duped. 
and says, what happened to my vibrant five who was obsessed with me that filled so Mm. much of my love tank and it made me feel so worthy and accepted. And now you're nowhere to be found or you're even maybe at your worst hoarding away your energy, time, resources. And the five is saying, you're just overwhelming. You never stop asking and you never stop giving in the community and you don't have any boundaries. And, And these things may very well actually be true because spouses often have really good way of knowing uh, what's going on in the worst of ways with each other, right? Like we can just, we know each other at our worst. Um, And so when they fall into the shadows, that's what it looks like is each of them feeling very disgusted with what's happened. And sometimes that leads to a divorce or an affair, um, but often it leads to doing some really good work in their Enneagram types to be able to be a two and to say, oh, you know what? I'm learning that I can be codependent and lack boundaries and that my Mm. five can help me to see that and to slow down. Um, That's a beautiful gift. Mm. And then the five can say, Mm. you know, my two has shown me that there's synergy in giving and that as much as self-care, there's good research around it. There's even better research around loving other people. And so fives are, you know, able to tap into some of their own relational qualities, even if they do so as an introvert, and even if it looks different from the two. What I've noticed across time is that this pairing, the two gets a bit more peaceable and just relaxed and and able to sit with themselves at home. And the five typically gets a bit more uh, giving, generous, able to share. And so it's neat for me to see the way they truly shine brightly together, even despite those differences. Yeah. Krista, that was podcast family we did not prep krista with that question and you see the way that she just oozed out the wisdom of this you're going to get that through her book right you're going to get that as you see your number and your spouse's number and you just figure out okay well that was like free coaching that was amazing krista so what about three threes or what about four eights you know so so which were all the numbers right yeah exactly yeah it's it's just another reason why uh the book is a gem and we highly encourage you podcast family to pick up a copy uh so krista uh I guess our next question is this, when you think about the Enneagram, how does it address the different emotional needs and desires of individuals within a marriage? Because we all have them, right? We all have, whether we're consciously aware of our emotional needs or they're at the subconscious level, we we all have them in some form or fashion and desires, uh, both individually and within our marriage. How can couples start to meet those needs and each other's needs today? Mm, that's a great question too, you guys. Oh my goodness. Well, I think that couples are really invited into the Enneagram work when they start to notice that each other's core fears are exposed. And now we already mm-hmm. have a working grounds for doing some good emotional work together. As I mentioned, Glenda, my trauma therapist on my team, um, that's great when you can do that in general. But I think sometimes without the Enneagram, it can take months, if not years, to figure out what these are, these issues. And instead, if you, for instance, have a type nine who says, you know, I've discovered that I'm a nine. Now we know nines don't often feel heard and there's a sadness around not feeling heard in the marriage and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Now that spouse can start to attune more nuanced. 
So instead of just trying to attune in a general way where we're picking up a a radar signal anywhere, now we have this finely tuned antenna to say, oh, I know when so-and-so is upset, it's probably because I'm not tuning in more, you know, and if the, the type seven in the marriage is in their gluttony and they're feeling like nobody helps them, maybe it's time for me to show them I'm really here for them. And so we could look at all the different types and say, okay, if the type one's feeling bad or wrong, maybe it's a moment that I can help them to know that they have grace and that they're beloved. Instead of just reacting defensively, we get to take the deeper dive. It might even be helpful just to have an Enneagram basic chart at home to say, for me, I know it's this. And for them, I know it's this. And of course, that's in my book mm-hmm. and elsewhere. There's so many free Enneagram tools all over. Um, but just these basic words can help people to redirect constantly. Would you guys agree with your marriage pairing that that's helpful? Oh, yeah, totally. And I would say it's uh, it's one thing to really, because I, I flow in empathy and I really want to please the other person. So with Daniel, I was very uh, just attuned to, to what he wants and what he needs. With the Enneagram work that I have done, um, like just a little bit of family of origin, like it wasn't okay to have needs. I had to be helping others or I felt like I had to be helping others to be able to receive love. And so the Enneagram actually gave me the language to realize a I have needs and b how do I ask for them to be met through Daniel and then I I I don't want to speak for you Daniel but what I've seen at least is as I've been asking and you understand actually how hard it is for me to ask for what I need that you have really responded in empathy and grace and you have gone above and beyond to really try to meet me in that. So I would assume you would agree, but <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, honey. <laughs> no, no, a hundred percent, right? Because that's that's where the family of origin and gen- genogram work is so important for couples. Because when when you think about that, I I'm the youngest of four kids. I'm the only son, in only boy in a Korean family, and there's there's. I we're both threes, but I I I'm more I lean more on the four wing, and Christina leans as a three on the two wing, and it's mm-hmm. just interesting how even that there's a sense for me where I I felt like my needs were always met, right? So there's this sense where Christina being more of the two, there is that connection there, and then for me it's interesting how I lean into the four wing. Well, for my three, it's this achiever. I want to provide. Yeah, I just just tell me just tell me what the mark is, and then I'll go meet it. Right, Christina, mm-hmm. tell me what your needs are. I'm not naturally going to attune to know what those are, but if you tell me what they are, then yes, I will. I will meet them. I will do them because I want to check it up. Not because it's a list, but because that's just how I'm wired and mm-hmm. in my foresight. But I want to do it in a creative way, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to just do it in a in a you know in a in a normal everyday sort of way. I want to ha- I want to lean that way and and kind of lean into my two through my four yeah. in 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 all that. But that's you know that's that's a result of this work that we've done with one another in connecting with each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, I that. love that. Do you love that, Christina, when he leans in and gets creative with it too? For sure, I would say ninety nine percent of the time. Sometimes I'm like. 
but I just want you to pick up your socks. <laughs> yeah, yeah that makes sense. No creativity. Take them off the staircase and put them in. <laughs> no, right? Because the floor takes time, a lot of time. <laughs> so you're like, no, it'd yeah. be fine if it was sooner and, and simpler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that. but but I want it to look like even our pergola that we just got our pergola <laughs> built. It was like no one else has a pergola that looks like our pergola, and it is absolutely incredible. But yeah, it took a lot of. Are we gonna do this? Are we not gonna do this? Are we gonna yeah. do it like this? Are we gonna do it like that? And and all the while, Christina just wants shade over our <laughs> our dining Overhead. table. It's hot. So. It's hot outside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> with that yeah no but it's been good i mean the enneagram um as you've been talking about it krista like it really has helped our relationship um it sounds like it really has really helped you and wes and uh yes we go through we definitely go through the ebbs and flows of marriage but i also feel that because we have these tools in this common language that we can understand hey yeah this is um maybe the valley part of the marriage but we we want to work together this is not you blaming me and me blaming you for this tough time that we're having but it's hey we are a team we are on the same side and how can we go further into this and beyond and i love what you were saying krista too about that that we can be together, the synergy that we have together can go out and bless others and really be able to, um, yeah, shine, shine the light of Jesus um, f- for others around us too. So I think that's absolutely beautiful with that. Well, Krista, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would just love to, to say to our podcast family and just kind of end it off there? Oh, thank you guys. This has been so beautiful. I would just add that allow the work to take the time it needs to take Mm. because it needs to marinate for a while. And something that Wes and I have discovered across many years now of doing our Enneagram work is that sometimes spouses unintentionally sabotage one another in the work because we're used to our spouse's rhythms. And so just remember that as you start doing your work, as I mentioned earlier, just do your work. You don't have to push them into theirs. That's not healthy anyway. But once you start to do your work, understand that's going to disrupt the flow. So as beautiful as it will be when it finally emerges and you're in that 2.0 stage, understand it's going to take some shadow work to get there. Your spouse is going to see some of your underbelly. You're going to see some of theirs (laughs) and it's going to be worth it. So take deep breaths and explain to them the work you're doing so they're not left in the dark. I know that when Wes started to do his type one work, I was expecting him to be perfect because he had been almost perfect as a social one. And when he started to show his humanity, I just said, gosh, you know, this must be really hard for you because I think that it's hard for you to even have permission with me to be anything less than perfect because I expect Mm. such high ideals from you. And so that's become a language he's been able to share with me is you've got to, you know, take me off a pedestal. You've got to let me be human. And so Mm. that's been part of him having that permission to do his work. Um, And for me, it was Mm -hmm. 
Wes has to let me slow down so that I can just go to my five space and focus. And that was very shocking to him because as a one, he doesn't do that almost at all. He doesn't have a line to the five space. And so he always wondered, what are you doing if you're resting? What are you doing if you're focusing on a book? And so it was just educational. It still is. We're still doing our work. There is no full arrival. Uh, We're always going to be on this side of heaven, hopefully toiling for Christ and working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So just keep Keep doing that. Fight the good fight. Don't quit. Just rest as needed and come back to it. That's what I would say. Oh, Krista, that's fantastic. You've been such a gift to us, Mm -hmm. to our podcast family. We're so grateful for you, who you are, everything you embody, the work that you've done, the work that you continue to do. And just, yeah, we're just so blessed to have you on our podcast. Um, what is what, what are some ways that our podcast family can connect with you and, and pick up a copy of your book and, and all that jazz? I would say go to enneagramandmarriage.com. Thank you guys. You guys are the best hosts ever. I love your podcast family. <laughs> and I would say that they can find the book at Amazon if they like the Amazon Prime. They might even get it faster. Or they can go to Baker yeah. Bookhouse for the book and get 40% off. So that's another good option for those people who love to save nice. money out there. So that uh, would be my best hope for you. And we do have some freebies over at enneagrammarriage.com if you're just not ready to grab a book, but you just need some help. And I would say, go get yourself a binder, go back to school with your kids and just uh, start using the freebies and start there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Krista. Thank you. Isn't she the best? Mm-hmm. I always love talking to Krista, and every time I walk away from a conversation with her, I learn so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and the unique perspective on the Enneagram that Krista brings. Make sure to follow her on social media and tell her how much you've enjoyed hearing her on our podcast. And if this episode resonated with you in any way, make sure you share it with a friend or a loved one. I can only imagine how the world and our circles of influence would be kinder if we took the time to understand ourselves and each other a little bit more. Yeah. Now for all the show notes, including links to our previous episodes about the Enneagram, you can go to inbetween.org slash episode 173. When you're there, make sure to peek at the questions we've created just for you and your spouse for your date night or your weekly check-in about this episode. Now, sometimes it feels awkward to know what to talk about. We get it, but don't worry, we got you covered. Go to inbetween.org slash episode 173, and there will be questions waiting for you. Have a fantabulous week, and we'll see you soon.